literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you tuning in to Austin Found. As we've said many times, we know there are a lot of choices for you for entertainment, right? There's a million things pulling at you from all kinds of devices. So taking some time to share with us and learn about the history of Austin and how we got here means a lot to us. So pass it on to your friends if you enjoy this episode of Austin Found. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. And we're with the Austin American Statesman. And there is a tower on Cesar Chavez that very few Austinites, as, as Michael, as you pointed out in your article, it's like most Austinites don't know the story of that, but we've seen it. And when I mention it, you're going to go, oh, yeah, okay, I've been by that a million times. So there is a tower known as the Buford Tower right. on Cesar Chavez on the south side between South First and Congress Avenue, almost in the middle. So at the base of Colorado Street. And tell everybody how that started and when. Well, it was built in 1930. It looks like a Renaissance bell tower, something you might find in Tuscany or something. It doesn't really fit into anything else, but it is six stories high. And it was built to be a training facility for firemen because uh, Austin buildings were getting taller and taller. And so firemen needed to, you know, run exercises, uh, get hoses up into upper floors and climb the outside. And it's built in this very utilitarian way. For instance, the floors are all concrete and so forth so that you could set it on fire over and over and over again. And that's what they did. And it went from 1930 when six stories would have been enough to protect downtown Austin, I'm guessing. Most of downtown Austin, yes. Things changed in 1966 when Austin threw down for a, a fire truck. <laughs> yes, a particular <laughs> kind of a fire truck, which was able to extend up several stories and you didn't need to climb a building with this kind of fire truck. Right. It has the, 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 the bucket that we all know now to rescue people to get, to get to that floor with a hose, whatever you need. That changed the tide on, on this tower. And we'll get to the, the name Buford Tower in a second and where that name came from in a second. Oh, and they called those trucks snorkel trucks, which I love. Oh, really? <laughs> those fire trucks, yeah. They could be raised 75 feet in the air and extend 39 feet horizontally. And you got to keep in mind, too, as you're visualizing this tower that... For its first few decades, it was just up above a water line, but that it wasn't the defined lake that we know today. No, because the lake didn't really come about Town Lake, which became Lady Bird Lake until 1960. And so for its first 30 years, it was above basically the canyon of the Colorado River, which was, could sometimes be so low that you could walk across it. And sometimes be so high that it inundated both banks and, and endangered a lot of buildings and people. And you dug up an article, I believe, in, in around 1970 that it was written about this ugly eyesore downtown. You know, those kinds of things go in cycles. And what we consider ugly today 
25 years from now, people are going, oh my God, that's the most beautiful kind of architecture there is. But in the 70s, they really considered tearing it down because it looked, it was an eyesore to them. Uh, it didn't fit in with all the new modern skyscrapers and it just seemed to be something that, that was useless. Okay, it survived and we'll get to the sounds that come out of the Buford Tower in a second, but we need to explain to people how it became the Buford Tower. It wasn't the Buford Tower until the mid-70s. Right. Luckily, it was saved by the people who were putting together all of the trail around the lake. And a particular group had a lot of input into some of the buildings along the lake, and, and they were the women contractors group that also built the lily-shaped building on the south side of the lake. But yeah, it was named um, the Buford Tower after Fire Department Captain James L. Buford. He was helping a teenager who was in danger of drowning during one of our floods on Shoal Creek in 1972, June 18th, 1972. And he was swept away and he left behind a wife and three children. And and really, uh, the city was shocked because we hadn't lost a firefighter in the line of duty in many, many years. Not since 1916, in fact. Jim T. Glass. Yeah, he broke his spine while battling a fire at the Chrysler Building on Congress Avenue. Who was Edward Quinn? He perished in the big April 22nd, 1915 flood where the flood wasn't really on the Colorado River so much as uh, Shoal Creek and Waller Creek simultaneously were totally inundated and washed debris down into the Colorado River. And one way of saying it is that they actually, for the first time, met together or their debris met together. And it was really one of the worst and most deadly floods in Austin history. And he died in that. And we're very fortunate that in the 70s, uh, most well-known, of course, Lady Bird Johnson, who's now the namesake of what was Town Lake. But there were a lot of other women's civic organizations that were beautifying the trail as well. Yeah. And the, that recent documentary on the uh, evolution of Austin's green identity really points out that the superstars were Roberta Crenshaw, who was this force of nature philanthropist who would just bring her ranch hands in to start you know, landscaping along the lake. And also Beverly Sheffield, who was the longtime head of the recreation department, which became the Parks and Recreation Department. And the two of them really were the biggest forces for not only protecting Barton Springs and Barton Creek, but also for the improvements around the lake. Now, a lot of other people were involved, the butlers, Roy and Ann Butler, also some other people who don't get a whole lot of credit because they just ran things. And we'll talk about them another day. But yeah, Lady Bird Johnson was kind of like, she made it okay to be for this. She brought in political muscle and federal money as well. But a lot of the work was done by just uh, neighborhood garden groups. And they just say, we'll take this stretch of the lake front and we'll, we'll take care of it. And for the record, and you've probably seen this, uh, if, you, if you get around Austin, is using it for training, scaling a tower inside or out simulated fire all those efforts for city of austin moved to pleasant valley to the to the creed complex right in royal guerrero park and then it moved again there's there's another tower out by mckinney falls and i don't know whether the one in royal guerrero park is still being used 
There are chimes in the tower. There are. Sometimes when you're, you know, maybe on the Butler hike and bike trail and you hear chimes, you're like, am I hearing the university? Am I hearing? <laughs> you hear that from the same spot, pretty much. You can hear the university bells, which are real bells. Those are real bells. I've been up and touched those bells and have been, been up there uh, in the, that part of the tower. What's in the Buford Tower then, if it's not real bell? How does that work? electronic chimes. Here's what happened. Rex D. Kitchens was the contractor when it was built in 1930. And his wife, Effie Kitchens was her name, decided that there needed to be some kind of memorial to him. And she wanted bells. And I guess they could have put in real bells, but at that time they would have been very expensive. So they put in programmed electric chimes, <laughs> which is not that a lot of churches use that method. And it's lovely. It, as you said, you don't tell the difference when you're just walking by and you hear it. Now, did you go up in this tower? Or oh, I did. I always want to go into a building if I'm writing about it or go to the place if I'm going to write about it. And all journalists are that way. We don't want to just know about it from a book or a, something in an archive. And luckily, I had entree to the tower from Kim McKnight, who is had many roles in the parks department and she was their architectural historian at the time. And she took me up into it. And let me just say one thing that she had told me, Buford Tower instantly connects us to a different time in Austin's history when it was among the tallest of our downtown buildings. I especially love that such care was taken to ensure that a utilitarian building constructed for firefighter training would be a beautiful work of architecture. On that note, thank you for tuning in to Austin Found. Please share this with your friends and share it on socials. That would be great. We love seeing the growth of this. And that particular story was out of Volume 3 of Indelible Austin. Volume 3 of Indelible Austin. And all three volumes of these collected history columns are available at Book People and other outlets. And I understand uh, business is going pretty well for these books right now. Also, if you're interested in the larger landscape of Texas history, sign up for our newsletter, weekly newsletter, uh, called Think Texas. And you can go to the Statesman newsletter page, and it's free. And it has about 25 different units of history, including a column, book recommendations, and stuff like that. So Think Texas indelible Austin and Austin found.